Amen. All right, well, we're there in Hebrews chapter number 4. I'd like you to look down at verse number uh, 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Very well-known verse. The Bible says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And like we've announced today, we are concluding a three-part series we've been going through called A More Sure Word. And if you remember when we started this series a few weeks ago, we started in part one by talking about the King James Bible, specifically why we are King James only. And if you weren't here for that sermon or if that doesn't, that statement doesn't make a lot of sense to you, I would encourage you to make sure you grab one of our New World Order Bible version documentaries on your way out. I think it'll help you understand that issue. Last week, we kind of had a doctrinal sermon. We talked about the role that the Word of God plays in salvation. And we talked about is the Bible needed for salvation? And specifically in the English language, is the King James Version of the Bible needed for salvation? We went through that. Today, I want to talk about how to unlock the power of God's Word in your life. How to unlock the power of God's Word in your life. Now, we begin here in Hebrews 4.12 and just with the understanding that there is power in the Word of God. Do you believe that this morning? The Word of God is not, the Bible is not a book like any other book. The Bible is not just a book like every other book that's written by man. This book is written, was written by God, and it was inspired of God, it was preserved of God, and it's actually the Word of God, the Word of God that became flesh is this book. And here, and here we have a great passage of that, for the Word of God is quick. The word quick is an older word, which means it's alive. This is not a dead book. It's actually living. It's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And you say, well, where does the power uh, of the Word of God... uh, Obviously, there's lots of power in the Word of God, but specifically, what are we talking about here in regards to the Word of God? And it's powerful in the sense that it can... Uh, it, it can transform you, it can change you, it can help you. He says, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. Notice he says, and is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. It is the word of God that can pierce through you. It is the word of God. If there's anything in this world that can help you, transform you, pierce through you, understand you, and, uh, uh, and, and, and help you change and transform, it is the Word of God. Now, keep your place. Uh, actually, you don't, don't keep your place in Hebrews. You don't need to do that. But go with me to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23. And uh, if you start, if you open your Bible just right in the center of the Bible, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. And right after Psalms, you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. While you turn there, let me just read for you a few verses. John 17, 17 says this, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. The Bible says, Jesus said that you can be sanctified, that you can be made holy, that you can be made separated through thy truth. And then he tells us, well, what's that truth? It's, he says, thy word is truth. John 15, 3, Jesus said this, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You say, Pastor, I'd like to get my life cleaned up. I'd like to get my life in order. I'd like to get my life uh, uh, directed towards and walking with God. You say, how do I do that? Well, Jesus said that ye are clean through the word 
which I have spoken unto you. Psalm 119 and verse 9 says this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. So see, it is the word of God that can transform you, that can cleanse you, that can sanctify you. That's why it is quick and powerful. Are you there in Jeremiah 23? Look at verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. Jeremiah 23 and verse 29, it says this, Is not, notice how the Bible talks about the word of God. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? See, here's what God says. He says, my word is like a fire that will purge you and purify you. He says, and like a hammer that breaketh rock in pieces. You say the word of God is like a hammer and it will break you down when you need to be broken down. You say, why? So that he can build you back up. See, it is the power of God's word. See, if I stood up today and I just picked some random book uh, in the library and I said, today we're just going to study this book and I'm going to preach to you through this book, that book would not have the power that God's word has. But I can open up the word of God and open it to any chapter and preach it and teach it to you and it will be like a fire. It'll be like a hammer that breaketh rocks and pieces. It'll sanctify you. It'll separate you. Because here's what you need to understand. The word of God is powerful and it can cleanse you and sanctify you and help you it can separate you and it can draw you close to god but here's here's the here's the the point of today's sermon and here's what we're going to talk about is that it does not do do this by osmosis it's not like you can lay the book you know, the Word of God next to your pillow at night, and hopefully it's going to transform your life. There are steps in regards to unlocking the Word of God. Now, the power of the Word of God. Now, the power of the Word of God is available to everybody, but you have to unlock it. There are steps that must be taken in order for it to be able to help you, uh, transform you, and be with you. So today what we're going to talk about, and we won't, we'll, won't take very long or we'll do it as quickly as we can. I want to give you three steps for how to unlock the power of God's word in your life. Because we have the word of God. I mean, have you ever sat down and thought that the words that you hold in your hands, and hopefully after the last two sermons as we've been studying the King James Bible and we've been talking about the Greek manuscripts and the Texas Receptus, have you ever sat to think that you are holding in your hands the words that God spoke? The words that came out of the mouth of God that have been written. What God wrote to all mankind and what God personally wrote to you for everything that you need to know about life, about salvation, about marriage, about childbearing, about finances, about health. Everything you need to know about any area in your life can be found in this book. It is available to you. But how do we unlock it? How do we tap into it? How do we leverage the power of the word of God in my life, and in your life. I want to give you three steps. I'd like you to write these down if you don't have a baby sitting on your lap or something like that. On the back of your course of the week, you do have a place to write down notes. It'd be great for you to maybe jot some of these things down. Three steps for unlocking the power of God's Word in your life. Number one, to unlock the power of God's Word. Here's step number one, and this is not going to be uh, complicated. It's not going to be very deep. It's going to be uh, simple, but it's going to be something that we should be reminded of on a regular, uh, regular basis. Number one, in order to unlock the power of God's Word in your life, here's step one, we must consume God's Word. We must consume God's Word. You're there in Jeremiah 23. Flip a few pages back to Jeremiah 15. I want you to notice what the Bible says. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. You find this throughout Scripture. We could have gone to many passages and, and, and we could have spent all day just looking at passages like these and I'm not going to do that. But I just want you to notice that the Bible often will illustrate 
the, the, the word of God, just like we saw in Jeremiah, it was illustrated as fire, it was illustrated as a hammer. Often the Bible is illustrated or represented as food that will nourish you spiritually. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16 says this, The words were found, notice what he says, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. So I want you to notice here, Jeremiah says that the words were found, and I did eat them. And here's what you need to understand. The Bible is often represented as as food, spiritual food for the spiritual man, but it does not help you unless you consume it. You say, how do I unlock the power of God's Word on my life? Well, number one, we must consume God's Word through Bible reading. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Towards the end of the New Testament, if you find all the T-books, they're all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus. While you go there, let me read for you out of Matthew 4, 4. This is what Jesus said. He said, the Bible says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, in the same way that you need to eat physically, in order to nourish your physical body, in order to strengthen your physical body, in order to be able to accomplish the things that you need to do during the day physically, God says and Jesus says that you have to eat spiritually in order to nourish your spiritual man, in order to strengthen your spiritual man, in order to be able to do the things that God has called you to do spiritually. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, you say, well, how do you consume the word of God. Well, it's simple, by reading. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, notice what he says. He says, till I come, First Timothy 4, 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That word attendance there means to devote oneself to. He says, I want you to give attendance or pay attention to. I want you to give yourself to reading. And, and, and again, we could go to many passages uh, today and talk about all sorts of different passages in regards to Bible reading, and we'll look at a few more. But here's what you need to understand. The way you consume God's Word is through reading God's Word. And if you read the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus is often criticizing the Pharisees, and he's often criticizing them, and he's saying, ye do err not knowing the Scriptures. And then he says to them, have ye not read? Because as you read God's Word, it nourishes you, it helps you, and it gives, and we're told here to give attendance to reading. And by the way, we don't have time to develop this, but when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, the illustration that he was looking back to in the Old Testament was that illustration of the manna coming down from heaven to feed the children of Israel, and they were supposed to go out there every day and eat it. And notice, they weren't allowed to save up some of it for the next day. Every day, they needed to go out there and get the nourishment for that day. And you know what? The Word of God is the same way. You know, it doesn't matter how much Bible you read last year. You need to read it this year. You need to read it today. It doesn't matter how much you read yesterday. You need to read it today. It doesn't matter how much you read last week. You need to read it today. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So we're talking about consuming the Word of God. Now, there are several ways to do this. In fact, I want to give you four ways to consume God's Word. Number one is through reading. You need to read God's Word. You need to give attendance to reading. And if you're here this morning, and you ought to ask yourself this question. Obviously, don't answer this out loud. But ask yourself, how is your daily discipline of Bible reading? Have you read the Bible today? Have you, did you read the Bible yesterday? 
Do you have a discipline? Do you have a, a, a habit of getting alone with God and reading His Word? Because God tells us that the way we consume His Word is through reading. And here's all you need to understand. It, the only way to unlock the power of God in your life is by, number one, consuming it. If you're not consuming it, it's not going to help you. It can help you. It can transform you but not unless you consume it. But there's other ways to consume God's Word. Let me give you uh, some other ways to do it. And not that one way should be done and not the others. We should try to do all of these. You're there in 1 Timothy 4. Go to Titus chapter 1. If you're there in 1 Timothy, you're going to go past 2 Timothy into the book of Titus, Titus chapter 1. So I just want to give you four ways to consume God's Word. One is through Bible reading. We consume God's Word through Bible reading. Number two. We consume God's Word through Bible preaching. The preaching of the Word of God will help you consume God's Word. Titus 1, look at verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. Titus 1, 3. But hath in due times, notice this word, manifested. The word manifest means to make evident, to make apparent, to make known. He says, but hath in due time manifested His Word, notice, through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandments of God our Savior. Here we're told that God has ordained the preaching of His Word to make manifest the Word of God, to make evident or apparent to show people, to help people understand the Word of God. Now keep your place there in Titus or 1 Timothy. We're going to come back to it, but go with me to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Let me give you an example of this. Nehemiah chapter 8. Again, if you start at the center of the Bible... With the, uh, with, with the book of Psalms, and you go backwards, you're going to have Job, you're going to have Esther, and you're going to have Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter number 8. And here's what you need to understand. God has ordained preaching to help you consume the Word of God. And it's not that it's one or the other, it's that it's both. God wants you to do both. See, when you go home, and you open up the Bible, and you read it for yourself, or you read it as a family, or you read it as a, as a couple, if you're married, or whatever it might be, when you are feeding yourself at home. But then when you come to church on Sunday morning, or on Sunday night, or on Wednesday night, then Pastor Jimenez is cooking up a spiritual meal for you, and he's feeding you. Now, there's nothing in the world wrong with having somebody else feed you, just like there's nothing in the world wrong with going out to a restaurant once a week or getting something to eat once a week, but you also need to be eating at home or else you're going to starve spiritually. If all you do is eat three meals that Pastor Jimenez provides for you on, uh, through, through the week spiritually, this is why you're anemic spiritually. This is why you say, I don't understand why my life's a mess. I don't understand why I can't unlock the power of God's word in my life. Well, are you consuming it? Are you reading it? Are you listening to Bible preaching? Because he has manifested his word through preaching. Now, here's what you need to understand about preaching, all right? Not all preaching is created equal. (laughs) It's not just enough to go somewhere where they, quote, unquote, preach. Because not all preaching is the same. And God has ordained a certain style of preaching and a certain kind of preaching. And again, we could, I preach a whole sermon on this. I won't take the time to do that. But let me just give you an example of that in Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, Nehemiah 8, we're in the Old Testament, of course. But we see a preaching service take place. And it's very similar to the preaching service that you're sitting in right now. Notice Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. 
And they spake unto Ezra the scribe. Notice what they said to Ezra the scribe. They said, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Skip down to verse 4. Notice what the Bible says. And Ezra the scribe, notice what it says, stood upon a pulpit of wood. Say, but why do you guys have a pulpit of wood? Because that's what Ezra had. You know, if it's good enough for Ezra, it's good enough for me, right? So he had a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. For the purpose of what? For the purpose of reading God's word, preaching God's word, explaining God's word. And beside him stood, and we have a whole list of different preachers that were there with him. They were having like a men's preaching night. Look at verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Notice, for he was above all the people. It's kind of like the platform we have here. And you say, why, why put somebody above? It's simply so people can see you, especially when you're short. You need to be seen, all right? So you build a platform, and you've got a pulpit, and you open up the Word of God. Notice, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Verse 7, also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah and Jamin and Akbub and Shabbatiah and Hodijah and Maasiah and Kilata and Azariah and Jezebad and Hena and Pelaiah and the Levites. I want you to notice the last part of verse 7. Cause the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. You said, so what did they do when they grabbed the pulpit, they built a platform, they put a pulpit, they put the Word of God there, and then they began to read it, and they began to expound upon it? What were they doing? They were causing the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Notice verse 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and cause them to understand the reading. See, Bible preaching is not simply when we stand up and read the Word of God to you. That's what you do at home. That's what I do at home. But when we get together to preach God's Word, what we do is we read the the Word of God distinctly, and then we give the sense. We help you understand it. We tell you what it means. And we cause you to understand the reading. And this is, what, this is what biblical preaching is. And here's what you need to understand. Today, you can go to many churches where they get up and they say a lot of things and they say nice things and they say good things, but they're not preaching the Bible. They're not preaching the Word of God. And I don't know if you've noticed, but at Verity Baptist Church, we give you the Bible in heavy doses around here. We give you a lot of Bible, and we, what do we do? We read it, we explain it, we yell about it. We read it, we explain it, we yell about it. You want to know my style? We read it, we explain it, we yell about it. You say, why? Because my job is to give you the sense, to help you understand it. So that now, here's what you need to understand. You say, well, that sounds great. There's a problem with that. The problem with that is that the Bible, if you remember, is like a hammer that breaks down. It's like a fire that consumes. So whenever you stand up and preach the Word of God, Whenever you stand up and say, look, here's what the Bible says. Let me read it to you. Let me explain it to you. Let me give you the sense. Let me help you understand it. Oftentimes, people will get offended, but it's because the Bible itself is breaking down their sin or their pride or whatever it is that God needs to work and purge out of their life. It is the Word of God doing that work. Now, you say, well, okay, well, I get Bible preaching. Do I not need to read? Look, you need both. And today you have people say, well, I'm not going to go to church because I've got the Holy Spirit and I can just read the Bible for myself and I don't need anybody else to help me. And look, here's what you need to understand. The problem with that, the problem with that is that you will only ever know what you know or what you're able to 
ascertained from the Word of God. Now, here's the truth. There is nothing that is preached from the pulpit of Verity Baptist Church that you could not read on your own and understand and study. But God gave you a pastor, God gave you a preacher to help you go further, faster. Because, see, here's what happens when people get saved. You know what happens when they get saved? They want to read and study only the things that they're really interested in. And most people don't even read the Bible. All they do is listen to preaching. But, you know, they're listening to Pastor Jimenez online. They're listening to Pastor Romero online. They're listening to Pastor Anderson online. But you know what most new Christians do? They're listening to, you know, aids the judgment of God. What is this about? They're, they're listening to, you know, something about the end time, something about, the, you know, they're listening to all these things that are, that are interesting, that, that are going to get a lot of views. But, you know, what you say, well, what, what happens when you come to church? Here's what happens to come to church. See, all week long, if you've been reading, you've been reading the things you want, you've been watching the things you want, you've been studying the things you're interested in, end times and psychopaths or whatever, and then you come to church, and then Pastor Emmanuel makes you eat your vegetables and makes you eat your broccoli out of the book of Ezekiel. Makes you eat you know, your peas and, and gives you a balanced diet. So see, you get what you eat, and then someone else who's been doing it longer, someone else who's been preparing meals longer, someone else who maybe is a little further along than you are, they help you go further, faster. Now, here's the problem. If all you do is get the preaching, then you're going to miss out on a lot because I only stand up to preach one hour, three times a week. If you even come to all three services, some of you come only once a week. Hey, you say, well, why should I come back on Sunday night? So you can get more preaching so you can consume the Word of God more. So it's funny to me how people say, man, every time I come to church, I learn something, and I, I, I get something from the Bible, and I'm like, yeah, you should come more often. Imagine, if you come once a week and you learn every time you come, imagine what happened if you came twice a week. Imagine what would happen if you came three times a week. Imagine if you didn't come every six weeks. You know, imagine if you came more. And by the way, this is what the Bible says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, you see we need more church, not less church. You say, why? Because we need more Bible preaching, not less Bible preaching. We need more consuming. But you need both. Bible reading on your own, you open the Bible, you say, I don't understand it, I don't get it all, that's fine. You just get what you can. You just consume what you can. You just understand what you can. You've got the Holy Spirit of God. And we talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit will guide you, but here's what you need to understand. Not just because you get the Holy Spirit does that mean you're going to understand everything in the Bible. Say, well, I'm saved. Why don't I understand just every intricacy of the book of Zephaniah? Well, this is a really deep book. You know, and honestly, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. I don't understand everything in the books of Zechariah and Zephaniah and Ezekiel. I'm figuring it out myself. I'm trying to learn it and study it out myself. So just because you get saved doesn't mean you're going to understand everything in the Bible. But when you get saved, you are given the tool, the Holy Spirit, that can cause you to understand and help you understand. And you can understand everything in the Bible, but you've got to work at it. So you got to read every day, read every day, consume God's Word. And then you come to church Sunday morning, and then we help you go further, faster. You come back on Sunday night, we help you go further, faster. You come back on Wednesday night, we help you to go further, faster. We feed you God's Word, teach you God's Word, and then you sit there and say, wow, I never thought about that, I never saw that connection, I never knew that. And then you begin to take notes, and you begin to understand. And then you go back and read it on your own at home, and you remember the preaching, and it helps you. And all of these things work together. 
when it comes to consuming God's Word. Now, let me give you some other ways to, to consume God's Word. If, if you kept your place in 1 Timothy, go back to 1 Timothy, but I, I need you in 2 Timothy. So uh, go, if, you, if you're in 1 Timothy, just go over to 2 Timothy. If you're in Titus, just go back to 2 Timothy. But go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So we, we're talking about ways to consume God's Word. One way is to read it. One way is to listen to preaching. Both are good. But listen to me. If all you do is listen to preaching and you don't read the Bible, you're not right with God. You understand what I just said? Pastor Jimenez, I, I listen to a lot. I listen to a thousand hours of YouTube every week. Okay, but do you read the Bible? Well, you know, I'm struggling with my Bible reading. You need to get right with God. God commanded you to read His Word. And by the way, I would read the Bible before I listen to any preaching outside of your regular church services. Nothing wrong with listening to preaching outside of your regular church services. You should listen. You should, if you can, if you have the time, do it. But your Bible reading should be your priority. But let me say this. If all you do is read your Bible and you never go to church to hear biblical preaching, you need to get right with God. Neither one is good. You need both. God has ordained both. God has desired that you have both. There's another way to consume God's Word. Here's way number three, through Bible study. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now you say, well, what is Bible study? Here, Bible study is different than reading, because when we read the Bible, all we're doing is just reading it. We're just reading it just to know it, just to understand it, just to consume it. When you study the Bible, now you're kind of digging more into it. You're looking at the observation, the interpretation, the application. You're trying to figure out, why did God tell us this? What is it God, that God wants us to learn from this? What is it that God wants us to understand from this? Now, there are some differences between Bible reading and study. You say, what are they? Well, look at the verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Notice, a workman. Studying God's Word is a lot more difficult than reading God's Word. You say, what do you mean? Let me give you an example. Reading through the book of Ezekiel... Once a year or twice a year or however, you know, in my personal life, what I've found, I've been reading the Bible consistently since I was 16 or 17 years old, and I've, you know, read through the book of Ezekiel at least once a year, sometimes twice a year or whatever, and here's what I've found. Reading through the book of Ezekiel, just through my regular Bible reading, just, that's interesting, wonder what those cherubims are about, that's really, what's, what's this about and what's that about, and just reading through it is a lot different than now i got to study this out and figure out what it means because i got to preach it on Wednesday night. <laughs> Two different worlds. So when you're studying, it requires a lot more work. And let me say this. When you're studying, there's a lot more risk. Notice, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because when you study, you might end up being ashamed or embarrassed. You might get it wrong. See, when you're reading, you just read it. You're like, I don't know what that's about. But when you're studying it, now you're trying to figure out, why did God give us this? What is the interpretation? How does this apply to my life? And now it becomes more difficult. Now, let me give you a couple of things. This is what I was taught when I was growing up in church and I was, uh, you know, starting to read the Bible. And uh, this is what, 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 what our pastor told us, and I've instructed people in our church to do this. I can't give you a verse for this. I just think it's uh, wise to do it. But I was taught that you should avoid major studies of God's Word until you've at least read the Bible cover to cover five times. This is what I was taught. I was told as a young person, you know, avoid just these deep major studies of the Bible until you've read the Bible cover to cover at least five times. Because until, and I agree with this, until you've read the Bible cover to cover at least five times, at least five times, that helps you kind of just get your bearings as to where you're at in the Bible. And you say, well, what happens if you just begin these deep studies and you haven't read your Bible that many times? Well, what happens is you end up preaching stupid things like flat earth, 
or Christians go to hell, you know, or oneness or whatever it might be. So look, you got to start. So before you start getting deep into studying the word of God, it's always funny to me. People want to do these deep studies out of Daniel and deep study. And I'm thinking to myself, how many times have you read the Bible? You got saved like three weeks ago. What are you, why are you talking to me about Zephaniah? Just read John. You know, read the Bible. So, and look, I, and I just want to encourage you, do whatever you want. But I would encourage you, avoid a deep study of God's Word until you've read the Bible cover to cover five times. Now, let me say a couple things. That doesn't mean that you cannot follow along with a pastor who leads you through a deep study, okay? That doesn't mean, well, I better not show up to Wednesday night because Ezekiel's too deep for me. <laughs> Obviously, if a pastor is leading you through a study... If you're watching the book of Revelation series and a pastor who's read the Bible over 20 times is leading you through the book of Ezekiel, the book of Revelation, you're fine, okay? That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about when you just on yourself, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to figure out. I'm just going to figure out this, you know, whatever, the, the prophecies of Daniel. If you've not read the Bible cover to cover five times, you should just worry about reading the Bible. You just develop a daily Bible habit of just reading the Bible and getting through the Word of God. This also doesn't mean this, that you can't preach a 10-minute sermon at a men's preaching night. Let me just make that clear, too, okay? Because uh, I don't want people to think, like, well, I can't even get up to preach. You know, here's the honest truth, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but preaching a 10-minute sermon does not require a deep Bible study. And, and you know, you can preach a sermon on whatever and, and write a 10-minute sermon before you've read the Bible cover to cover five times. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is this. Avoid these deep studies where I'm just going to figure out all these intricacies of the end times or all these things about that, 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 that we don't really know about or that we don't understand. Avoid those things until you've read the Bible several times. And, and five times sounds like a good time to me. But a, a, a good way to consume God's Word is through Bible study. I don't think there's anything wrong with Bible study. I study the Bible uh, for my sermons, of course, but I'll tell you, I just study the Bible just separately. I have a time in my personal life, and I'm a pastor. I have a little more time than maybe most people when it comes to these things, and, and I'm super busy myself. I mean, I got to make time for, for the Bible reading. But, you know, I have my Bible reading time where all I'm doing is just reading through the Bible, and then I have a study time where I'm just, I pick a book of the Bible and I'm just studying through it, not a book that I'm preaching through, not a book that I'm preparing sermons out of, just something that I'm just studying on my own. And you say, what does that mean? It just means that I'm reading it slower. It means that I'm reading it more on purpose. It means that I'm taking the time to maybe run some references or look at things, compare it with other passages or things like that. Then, of course, I have, you know, the time where I'm studying for sermons. That takes a long time. And, uh, and then I have my Bible memorization time. So let me give you... Uh, Way number four to consume God's word, not only through Bible study, but also through Bible memorization. Go to Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. Joshua one. While you go there, let me read for you or quote for you Psalm 1 1. It says this Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, but his delight. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, the Bible says this, doth he meditate day and night. When the Bible says that doth he meditate day and night, what is that talking about? That's talking about memorizing the word of God. In his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Joshua 1.8 says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. What is that talking about? It's talking about you're quoting the word of God. 
shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So the Bible talks about Bible memorization, and that's another way that we can consume God's word through Bible memorization. And again, we're not talking about some deep, you know, and, and this is just my opinion. I'll, let me just make that real clear. But I, I would avoid, you know, someone who says, I'm going to memorize the entire book of Daniel, but you've not read the Bible cover to cover. You know, I, I would avoid that. And I'm not telling you that memorizing the Bible is a bad thing. I'm going to memorize every chapter of the book of Revelation. I don't think there's nothing wrong with memorizing every chapter of the book of Revelation. I'm actually currently memorizing the book of Revelation. That's a book I'm working through in my Bible memory. But if you've not read the Bible, I would focus on getting in just a good amount of Bible reading. Now, some basic Bible memorization, like memorizing the Romans Road, so you can go out soul winning, memorizing just verses that encourage you or that help you, nothing in the world wrong with that. But we, we want to put these things in their proper context. Again, Bible study, deep Bible study, where you're just getting along with God and you're running references and you're trying to think of things and trying to understand things and break it down. Nothing wrong with that, but, there, but you probably want to avoid that if you've only read the Bible one time or two times or whatever. But these are ways that God has given us to consume his word. Bible reading, every Christian, new believer needs to just start reading their Bible immediately. And Bible preaching, every Christian, even a new believer needs to just start coming to church and listening to God's word. And if you want to study deep subjects, find series, book of Ezekiel, Revelation, whatever it might be, where someone who's read the Bible more than you can lead you through it and teach you through it. But... Another way to, something you can do is to uh, study the Bible together, and another thing you can do is Bible memorization. Something we do in our home is we have family Bible time. We actually have two different family Bible times. My wife has a, fam- a Bible time in the morning with homeschooling the kids. They start, the first thing they do is they have, before they do math and anything else, they read the Bible. And they study it a little bit. You know, they read a passage and she explains it to the kids and helps apply it to their life. In the evenings, we, uh, on non-church nights, we try to do that as well, where we, before the kids go to bed, we sit down and we read a chapter and I teach it to the kids and explain it and help them understand. That, that, that's a basic Bible study. And those are things that would be good for you to do. And I would encourage you to do stuff like that with your kids even early, uh, especially as a father. So we, we talked about steps to unlocking God's uh, the power of God's Word. Step one is you have to consume God's Word. And I just wanted to give you four ways to consume it. Bible reading, Bible preaching, Bible study, Bible memorization. But let's talk about step two. Step two. Now, you're there in Joshua chapter one. Go backwards into the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 17. And the first step was kind of the longest step. The other steps will go by a little faster. Step two is this. Not only must we consume God's Word, But number two, we must learn God's word. Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 17, 18. This is instructions given to the king, the future king of Israel. And this is what the Bible says. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom. And by the way, it's interesting because in the New Testament, God says that we have been made kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this applies to you spiritually. You are a king. You are a child of God. You are uh, a son of the, uh, of the king. It says, and it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom. Notice that he shall write him a copy of the law in a book out of that which is before the priest 
the Levites, and this is kind of an interesting thought to me, that God told the king not only that he was to read the Bible, although we're going to look that he was supposed to read it, but that he was actually supposed to write it out, write out his own copy. You say, why would God tell the king to do that? I, I don't know, but I would imagine that if you sat there and wrote out the entire Bible, you'd probably learn a lot of the Bible. And it's, it's interesting because I was talking to my wife about it. That's something my wife has the kids do because part of their homeschool is they do penmanship where they're supposed to work on their... Uh, on the way they write, their cursive, and try to make it nice. They're supposed to focus on, on, on their penmanship and trying to make sure that they're not writing like some you guys write, you know, so uh, writing sloppy or whatever. So when they do their penmanship, the curriculum calls for them to copy out, you know, famous documents or whatever it might be. But instead of having them do that, my wife just has the kids write out as part of their penmanship, write out verses and passages and chapters of the Bible. Again, they're just working on their penmanship where she's looking at how their cursive is and trying to help them get it better and things like that. But they're also writing out the Word of God. I'm sure they're learning lots doing that too, you know. So it's always just good to have different ways to incorporate the Word of God into our lives. But notice what it said. And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which before the pre, uh, uh, which is before the priest, uh, the Levites. Notice verse 19. And it shall be with him and he shall read therein all the days of his life. God says, look, I want you to read the Bible every day. I want you to have daily Bible reading. Remember the, 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 the Bereans, we were told they were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. It didn't say they searched YouTube daily. It didn't say they searched uh, Facebook daily. It said they searched the scriptures daily. You need to, at, look, at the very minimum, you need to develop a daily habit of Bible reading. It says, and he shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life. You say, why? What's the point? Notice, that he may learn. That he may learn. To fear the Lord is God, to keep all the words of his law and these statutes, to do them. Second Peter 3.18, you don't have to turn there, it says this, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You say, Pastor, okay, you're always pushing this Bible reading, Bible reading, Bible preaching, Bible study, you know, Bible memorization. You want us to consume God's Word. Why? Look, step one is you consume it. Step two is you retain it. You consume it so that you can learn it. Look, you don't read the Bible just so you can check off some list somewhere that you read it. That's not the point. You know, we, we have several guys that are training for ministry here uh, at our church, and one of the requirements that we have for them for ordination is that they read the Bible cover to cover 10 times before we will ordain someone into ministry. You say, well, why, why do that just so that they can check it off? No, because we want them to learn it. We want them to retain it. So look, let me tell you something. If, if you're reading the Bible and you're just reading it and you're not grasping any of it, you're not retaining any of it, you're just reading it just so you can tell someone, just so you can make some Facebook post, just got done with my 20th time. You, you're an immature Christian. You need to go back and read it again 20 times. Because the point is not to check off a list. The point is to learn that he, he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn. You're supposed to grow in grace and in the knowledge. And by the way, let me say this. Notice, I don't have you turn there, but in 2 Timothy 3.18, he says grow in grace and in the knowledge. You know, the reason that he puts it in that order is because what I've noticed is that a lot of newer Christians, they grow in knowledge, but they don't grow in grace. 
They grow in knowledge and they know a lot, but they become real critical, real judgmental. They want to start telling everybody where they're wrong and why they're wrong and this and that. Listen, grow in knowledge, but don't forget to grow in grace. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Hey, nothing wrong with the knowledge. Make sure you grow in knowledge, but make sure you're also growing in grace. Make sure that there's no corrupt communication that proceedeth out of your mouth. Make sure that you're not just learning so you can boast and brag or put someone down. Well, I, don't you know that the Bible... Look, the point is for you to learn. For you to learn and understand. So you say, what are the steps to unlocking God's Word? Well, number one, you consume it. Number two, you learn it. You retain it. You understand it. Number three, you apply it. You apply it. You're there in Deuteronomy 17. Look at verse 9 again. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn, notice, notice, to fear the Lord is God. Don't miss this. To keep all the words of this law and these statutes. And notice, to do them. To do them. The point of Bible reading, the point of consuming God's word, learning God's word, getting God's word, is so that you can consume it, yes, so that you can learn it, yes, but the purpose is so that you can apply it to your life. Because again, we're talking about unlocking, unlocking the power of God's word in your life. How do you do that? How does it transform you? How does it sanctify you? How does it help you? Well, you consume it, you learn it, but listen, it will do nothing for you if you consume it and you learn it and you have all sorts of knowledge. It'll do nothing for you if you do those things and you do not apply it. The point is to fear, to keep, and to do. Go to Re- uh, Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. You're there in verse 17. Go to verse 29. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. Notice what he says. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. And by the way, just realize that no matter how much you study and read and how much preaching you listen to, you're never going to understand everything in the Bible. There are some things I believe we'll never understand in the Word of God. You say, why? Because the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. In fact, I I think we're going to spend all of eternity learning all sorts of things from the Bible. And we're going to be up in heaven and Jesus, the great shepherd, is going to be like, let me show you something out of this book. And we're like, wow, I never saw that before. Because the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Notice, but those things which are revealed belong unto us. And by the way, the things that you don't understand, don't worry too much about those. I don't understand Daniel's 70th week. I don't understand in, in Corinthians when it talks about uh, the, the hair for the woman and the angel and what that, I don't understand what that's talking about. You know what? The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us. Why don't you just worry about the things you do understand? Worry about the things that are revealed. They're re- revealed unto us and to our children forever. What? Why? Notice that we may do all the words of this law. Go back to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Just one book over. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1 8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe, notice, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, 
For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. See, people have this idea. They think like, oh, Bible memorization is the secret to the prosperity of God. If I memorize God's word, then I'm going to have good success, and God's going to make my way prosperous. But wait a minute. Before you start thinking that, why don't you actually memorize the verse? Because he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You're learning it. And then God's going to make your way prosperous, and then God's going to make you successful? No. That thou mayest observe to do according. That thou mayest observe to do what it tells you. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. See, the prosperous and successful way is connected to the application. Pastor Mendes, I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I read the Bible every day, and my marriage is falling apart. My finances are falling apart. My kids are out of control. My health is falling apart. None of it's working. I'm not unlocking the power of God's Word in my life. Well, it's probably because you're not doing. It doesn't matter how much you consume. It doesn't matter how much you learn and understand. You can sit there and tell us everything about the Bible and everything God wants you to do. If you don't actually do it, it won't help you. Say, how do you unlock the power of God's Word? Here's how you unlock it. You consume it, you learn it, and then you do it. You consume it, you learn it, then you apply it. See, you consume what God says about being a good husband, about being a good wife. You come to church and have Pastor Jimenez preach through series like functional family and how to be a great family and how to be a great husband and how to be a great wife. You consume it, you learn it, but then you actually go home and do it. See, you don't just sit there and learn about how to rear children, learn about how God wants you to raise your kids and homeschool your kids and discipline your kids and disciple your kids and develop your kids and get all the great preaching and get all the great content, and then you just go home and never talk to your kids, don't spend time with them. It's not going to help you. I can sit here and preach a whole five-week series on what the Bible teaches about finances and how God tells you you ought to budget and you ought to save and you ought to get out of debt and you ought to do this and that, and it'll do nothing for you. You don't actually apply it. See, the key to unlocking God's Word is that you consume it, you retain it, and then you apply it. You go home and you do it. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then Thou shalt have good success. Go to James chapter 1. The last place we'll look at. Last place we'll look at this morning. James chapter 1, towards the end of the New Testament. If you, We started in the book of Hebrews. Right after Hebrews, you have the book of James, James chapter 1. And this is, this is taught all throughout the Bible. I'll just give you one example of it. James 1, verse 22. Notice what it says. James 1, 22. James 1.22 says this, but be ye, notice this word, doers, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Let me, let me ask you something. How's your, how's, how's your doing of the word? Well, I'm here. Okay, good. You're, check, check. You're a good hearer, hopefully. Hopefully you're actually here. You haven't spaced out or you're, you know, thinking about what you're going to do for lunch or your grocery list for next week. You know, check, you're a good hearer of the word. You're here on Sunday morning, you're here on Sunday night, you're here on Wednesday night. Good. How about the doer part? Be ye doer of the word and not hearers only. Please listen to this. 
We have a lot of people who go to a lot of church, who listen to a lot of preaching, and they think, oh, man, I must be a pretty good preacher. I must be a pretty good Christian. I mean, I'm in church Sunday mornings, and tonight, Wednesday night, I'm listening to preaching online on Monday and on Tuesday and on uh, Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. I must be a pretty good Christian. And you're not doing anything you're actually being taught, and you're deceiving yourself. Notice, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what matter of man he was. Here's what he's saying. He's saying when you come to church and listen to preaching and then you walk out those doors and you do nothing with it, you are like someone who picked up a mirror and looked at yourself in the mirror. You saw that your hair was messy, you saw that you uh, still had food in your teeth, you saw that your tie was crooked, but you did nothing about it. You just walked away. And someone would look at you and say, well, if you picked up the mirror and you saw that your hair was messy, you picked up the mirror, you saw that your tie was crooked, you picked up the mirror, you saw that you had still you had uh, something in your teeth, and you didn't do anything about it, what's the point of picking up the mirror? I mean, it's fine if you want to be that guy. Some of you look like you didn't even look in the mirror before you got here, so that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But, but if you did and you looked and you did nothing about it, here's, here's what we're saying. Why look in the mirror? What's the point if you're just going to walk away? And here's what, here's what James is telling us. James is saying this. If you go to church, if you listen to the sermon online, if you learn about this and that and the Word of God and what God wants you to do and you, 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 you learn about soul winning and how God wants you to be a soul winner. You learn about Bible reading and how God wants you to read your Bible. You learn about uh, 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 abasing your, uh, your pride and, and, and walking humbly and, and you learn about people skills and how to talk to people and how to be kind and how to be forgiving and you learn about all those things and you don't actually do any of it. What's the point? Why do it? Verse 24. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. So how do I unlock the power of God's word in my life? How can I have prosperity and be uh, success? And of course, we don't believe in a prosperity gospel where you're not going to suffer, but where God is helping you. That's what we're talking about. When God prospers you and he's helping you. And, and the, the illustration of that, of course, is, is Joseph, who even during times of trials, the Lord was with him and he was helping him. How can you be blessed? Here's how it works. Listen, you want to know? Say, I want to be blessed by God. I want God's word to transform me, to help me, to make me what he has called me to be. How do I do it? Here's how you do it. Number one, you consume his word. Number two, you retain it, you learn it. And then number three, you apply it. And here's, here's the point. If you miss any of those, you will have the power of the ages available to your life, and you'll do nothing with it. If you fail to read, if you fail to consume, it will not help you. If you consume it, but you don't learn it, it will not help you. If you consume it and you learn it, but you don't apply it, it will not help you. This is how you unlock the power of God's word. Consume, you retain, and you do. You become a doer of 
the Word. Now, let me just talk to you for a few moments about a great way to consume God's Word this year in January. In January, many of you know this. Some of you, if you're new, maybe you don't know this, but in the January of every year is Bible Month at Verity Baptist Church. And every, every month is Bible Month around here, but, by, but in January, we really emphasize the Word of God. And in the month of January, we put out this challenge to the entire church family. We call it the Nine Chapters a Day Challenge. And here's what we do in January. We challenge every person in our church to read nine chapters a day of the New Testament every day in the month of January. Now, if you do that, here's what you'll accomplish. You'll read the entire New Testament in the month of January. Next week in your bulletin, we're going to have charts for you that you'll be able to take home and, and track the nine chapters a day. There are two grace period days so that if you get behind a little bit, you don't have to quit. You can keep going. But every year we have uh, scores of people read the entire New Testament in the month of January here at Verity Baptist Church. And I've always felt like January is one of the sweetest months that we have at Verity Baptist Church every year. It seems like people just get along a little better, the, the, the atmosphere, the spirit's a little better, and I'm sure it has to do with the fact that so many of our people are just reading the Word of God and consuming the Word of God in heavy doses. And what I want to do today is I just want to challenge you, and I want you to think about and pray about taking the nine chapters of the day challenge this week. And here's what happens. If you read nine chapters a day, you accomplish the goal, then every year we have a plaque that we put out in the foyer. In fact, you can go out in our foyer after the service today, and you'll see all of the eight plaques from the previous years where people have read nine chapters a day and your name will put your name on that plaque. And it's just a great time to start the year off in the Word of God. So I want you to think about it. Now, here's the thing. If you've done nine chapters a day, you need to just decide, I'm going to do it again this year. I'm going to read nine chapters a day. Some of you, well, it was your first time last year, and you're like, I don't know if I can do that. That's really difficult. That's really tough. But when you did it, you realized it was doable. It was attainable. You were able to accomplish it. Maybe you've never done it. Why don't you decide this? This year, I'm going to read nine chapters a day. I'm going to read through the New Testament with the church family. It's great because a lot of the church people, they're all kind of reading the same passages, so they're talking about similar things, and, oh, man, I saw that too, or, you know, something that I never noticed before, or whatever, and it's just a great time. So I want to challenge you this year. This is just a great opportunity to read nine chapters a day with us, have a challenge, start the new year in the Word of God, and consume it, but don't just consume it. Learn it, and then apply it. Maybe at the end of January, there'll, something, there'll be something that you saw that, man, I never saw that before. I never knew that before. I never understood. I never saw that application. I'm going to apply that in my life. So I want to challenge you to be, just get ready and decide, I'm taking the nine chapters a day challenge. I'm going to read God's word. And, and, but listen, if you're not reading the Bible, don't, don't wait till January. You know, start the nine chapters a day challenge in January. But you just from now till then, start reading Proverbs. Start reading something. Start get, getting used to reading the Word of God. Let me also say this for the nine chapters of the challenge before I forget. We have a lot of our church people that are going to the Philippines in January. So those of you that are going to the Philippines and you're taking the nine chapters today challenge, you need to be on it. In fact, I would encourage you, what my wife and I are planning on doing is we're planning on reading more than nine chapters before the Philippines and try to get as much of it done before the Philippines because obviously when you travel and when you're busy, you can get behind. But look, just decide, I'm going to read nine chapters a day even in the Philippines. You know, It doesn't really make a lot of sense to say, 
Well, I'm going on a missions trip to see people saved, so I'm going to take a break from the Word of God, okay? doesn't really make a lot of sense. So just decide. I'm going to read nine chapters a day in the month of January. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your Word. Thank you for the Bible. And, Lord, thank you for these steps that you've given us to be able to unlock the power of God's Word in our lives. Lord, help us to realize that the Bible is a powerful book, but it's not a magical book. It's not just going to transform our lives and help us in our lives just by simply being near us. We have to consume it, we have to learn it, and then we need to applied in our lives. And Lord, I pray that wherever this landed with the different people, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to take that step. I know that there are people in this room that just need to start reading the Bible. They just need to get started and consuming it. Lord, I pray you'd help them take that step. There are maybe others who have been reading, but they've not really been learning or really slowing down enough to understand it. Help them, Lord, to consume it. And not only to consume it, but to retain it, to learn it, to understand it. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to apply your word as we hear it preached, as we read it for ourselves, as we see it in the word of God. Lord, help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.